Hello and good morning. Today is Thursday, November 2, 2023. Uh, I am still in northern Thailand. It's quiet and peaceful. And uh, last night I saw uh, on my patio outside by the field uh, a baby frog and a baby grasshopper within about six inches of each other. <clears throat> looking at each other or something. <laughs> they both made little moves, and I thought my friend the grasshopper, both of these are like one-inch long creatures, a, a less than a one-inch frog and a smaller than one-inch uh, grasshopper, <clears throat> sitting by each other <laughs> about six inches apart on the ground on the patio, and they made little moves, and um, uh, I thought... Does somebody, does somebody want to eat the other fellow? But no, um, the frog jumped away, and I said goodnight to the grasshopper and went back in. So, small creatures are here and visiting. Uh, today, class three or four, class four in the series on Patanjali, uh, comparing <clears throat> uh, with a couple of main themes. First is... You know, trying to understand uh, the heart of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras better. The second is a comparison to Buddha Dhamma and Gautama's teaching, uh, particularly on Sila and Samadhi. You know, the whole three foundations of Buddhism, <clears throat> what's called three foundations, Sila, Samadhi, Prajna, or Panya. Uh, I play both Sanskrit and Pali words uh, in San, uh, as the original teachings. So prajna, panya, uh, pra-anya, uh, moving forward <laughs> uh, realization. <clears throat> uh, there's huge overlap between Patanjali's Yoga Sutra's core teaching and Buddha Dhamma and particularly the core teaching of Patanjali um, yoga, uh, let me see the exact, uh, a few different sources that I'm going to pull down here, uh, yoga chitta vritti niroda, as yoga is the stilling of chitta vritti, and then we get into a big trouble as to the definitions of chitta vritti. Meaning, <laughs> all sorts of folks have all sorts of definitions, half of them that don't make sense, actually, and they're using the same English words as other Sanskrit terms for portions and functions of mind. If they're different words, you probably shouldn't use the same English translation, particularly if one is a subset of the other. So, in any case, uh, scholastic uh, bafflement uh, bedogs us, in some sense. Uh, if you really want to know what the hell is going on, you got to find um, very clear um, comprehension of word by word. And this, this I mean, I, I, it's a very interesting. I don't really have a feeling that I want to move on to continuing new material, new pages right yet from the, in this series. I, I, <laughs> I, I I would take out the fine hoe uh, with fine tooth edges 
to finally, we're going to, this, this is a case of not simply digging up much gold, but digging it up and putting it through some screens and filters and fine-tooth combs of analysis and comparison and contemplation to know what the hell these people are talking about, particularly uh, yoga as uh, the cessation of chitta vritti. It's not the same as chitta. It's not the same as just cessation of mind or stilling of the mind. It's actually not that. <laughs> you know, um, there's a reason why different words are used in Sanskrit <laughs> for different portions and functions and qualities of mind. Uh, to then translate them very sloppy or, or at least very casually into English um, leads to a whole lot of confusion. If you ask most people, you know, who are, who've looked into this, uh, Patanjali's core uh, teaching, uh, it's pretty clear to me, it's one of the core teachings of, of Yoga Sutras. Yoga, Chitta, Vritti, Nirara, what does it mean? Most people will mean, will think it means yoga um, is the, or leads to um, the, the what? The stilling of mind. The cessation of mind, the cessation of mental activity. No, actually, it doesn't seem to be. Because Chitta, or Chit, as used in this tradition versus other traditions of <laughs> uh, yoga philosophy, Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta, you know, you've got a whole lot of bunch, a lot of people from a whole lot of schools, they're all schismatics, the human schismatics globally, uh, ever schism generating, meaning splitting, because they can't pull together. So it's much easier to split. If they can't reconcile differences of opinion and come to uh, unanimity of opinion, they uh, schiz, schismatic, uh, go schism, go schizzy, and then make new sects and new lineages and new divisions because they can't agree with each other and find a common understanding. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, humanity is a feast for the averse. <laughs> the analysis of human civilization is an unending buffet of items uh, for the exercise of, of uh, aversion and uh, hatred and aggression and criticism. <laughs> the catalog of human distortion is the gift that never stops giving. And uh, you want to sharpen uh, manas buddhi, this is a great place for it. So forgive me my uh, attachment to um, aversion, uh, aggression, hatred, rage, uh, you know, criticism, criticality. But it's uh, difficult to live in a world of people who think they understand when they don't and thus believe they need no further uh, working. <laughs> if you ask people, do you have, you know, do you have evolution to do or you have some you know, uh, work left to do on your selfhood, on your uh, spiritual evolution or something. Of course, ordinary folks don't even know what, what's going on and they'll throw it out, walk away, or blame. But even spiritually oriented folks are puffed up with pride commonly. I mean, meaning 
they, you know, it's just like the case of me in Bali with the guy, I say, you know, the mind is tricky. And he said, you know, or I said, what? I don't know. The mind is tricky. And he said, oh, the ego is a, a lot of problem. I didn't say ego, bub. Why are you putting in words in my mouth? And he doesn't even know it. He thinks when I say mind and he says ego, ego's a real thing uh, to work with. And th those are people who haven't had much uh, break in the clouds. In the clouds, and that's where we come into Chitta Vritti, actually. So when Nityananda says, you know, Satchitananda, it ain't the same uh, understanding of the word Chit or Chitta as Chitta Naroda or Chitta Vritti Naroda. Uh, Naroda of Chitta Vritti is the cessation of Chitta Vritti. Satchit is not Vritti, but it's Chit. Is it the same chit? <laughs> Depends on who you talk to, meaning different understandings. So satchit, as satchitananda, as um, you know, a goal or the end of the path, um, paramatman, the union of jivatman and paramatman, right? The union of jivatman, paramatman, and brahma, or logos, or eighth density. Um, I say chat satchit would be the chit of sat. Or, which is awareness of sat as truth, reality, as the source of light. <laughs> it's a very straightforward understanding when, when the raw material is available. Bringing the raw material in to discussion of Advaita Vedanta and Vedanta and Buddha Dhamma is very helpful for me <laughs> and for anybody who has the interest in this to actually know what these people are talking about, <laughs> to know what all sorts of folks have been talking about it takes a long time. Now there is, I mean, I, that's why I don't, I, I'm sort of camping out on uh, Patanjali, uh, you know, Yoga Sutras. Uh, introduction, you know, introduction to Patanjali. We don't need to move from the introduction. We need to, or I want to deepen into it. Because, <laughs> I mean, the truth, the truth be told, most people, me too, don't have deep comprehension of what chitta or chitta vritti means in the usage uh, by Patanjali, which is not necessarily the same usage of chit as Nityananda or someone else. Uh -huh. So, uh, if you think I'm pedantic, you know, <laughs> go away or stay and criticize and screw up your brow. But uh, otherwise, um, you know, this is said, th th this is like camping out um, in, in a particular metaphysical teaching and uh, setting up shop for a temporary time um, to deepen, to go down and seep into the soil of yoga, chitta, vritti, niroda. Uh, so, um, someone who has been listening sent me an email. Um, thank you very much of Lahiri Mahasaya's take on Chitta Vritti, Yoga Chitta Vritti Niroda, or cessation of Chitta Vritti. So Lahiri Mahasaya was the teacher of Sri Yukteswar, who was uh, the teacher of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, so Paramahansa Yogananda, the student of Sri Yukteswar, who was a pretty high-quality astrologer as well, 
the lineage goes back behind beyond Sri Yukteswar to Lahiri Mahasaya, who uh, presumably wrote this, dictated, uh, spoke this about uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. So that's one thing I want to look into. And then there is um, a, a sort of um, fast food uh, presentation of uh, what's called Anatomy of Mind, a fellow who followed um, uh, Sri Rama, um, the Himalayan Institute. This was uh, early generation um, Hindu Vedanta import to the West active, particularly in the 60s and 70s. They still are going, like TM started around that time, Transcendental Meditation still going on from an early, so this is an early import um, that came from India, Rama, Swami Rama, and some others. I I don't know exactly which lineage in yogic tradition they're from, but uh, his page called Anatomy of the Mind. His name is Ralf Sovik. Ralf Sovik has been involved in this for decades. Brief explanation of four aspects of human mind and the influence of meditation has over each of them. So four aspects of mind, a division of mind into four, which is interesting. You know, there are, ways, there are so many ways of dividing these. This is all conceptual designation, you know. Um, the nature of all phenomena is, you know, anichanatadoka. It's uh, impermanent, insubstantial, not self or of identity, and uh, stressful, including kalpana or concept. These are concepts. But these are concepts that are actually helpful. And they may be illusory, you know, using fire to fight fire, using poison to cure of poison, using illusory conceivings to be free of confusion and the dukkha of confusion and to get more clarity and quietude in the mind. In some sense, uh, the only mind that can remain in citta vritti niroda long term, meaning a cessation or a significant stilling of citta vritti, uh, is the mind that knows something. (laughs) <laughs> not 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 the mind that has a lot of confusion and a lot of concepts unresolved, loops unclosed, wonderings uh, incomplete, matters um, avoided. Particularly, I mean, in this case, just, you know, in the case of um, what does this mean? Or do you really understand? It's, I guess it's, you know, possible to have a temporarily quiet mind, which is a very simplistic understanding of uh, citta vritti naroda, cessation of citta vritti, quiet mind. It's a lot more than that, actually. Uh, it's the basis of that. Uh, but there can be a temporary quiet mind with without much understanding. But the, the finer, I mean, this is Blu-ray, and it's not necessary to develop Blu-ray, fifth chakra, that much to harvest to four, but it's surely necessary for six to go to seven or eight, meaning six density wanderers who are moving towards the end, um, the end of identity and the end of um, phenomenal appearance, uh, uh, the appearance of phenomenal change or change and apparent 
substantiality. Need quite significant wisdom. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean conceptualization, but it certainly means that, that there's a fine light, fine bright light available. The mind, the uh, fifth ray, is clear, developed enough to have a fine bright light. And, and looking into these things to get out of confusion, to, to be careful, to be a careful thinker, is very valuable. Um, uh, it's not of this density. Love, you know, understanding's not of your density. It's a fourth density, as Ross said. Likewise, wisdom and viveka, vivek, is not of this density, meaning high quality discernment or what Nityananda used as buddhi, the use, how Nityananda used the term buddhi, uh, above manas, as functions and qualities of mind. This is really critical for wonders, particularly now, uh, particularly in a world full of ignorance. I mean, this is you know, the, the planet of, of proud ignorance, proud, <laughs> proud avidya. <laughs> this is a planet of great, uh, proud, prideful avidya. And that's why uh, they keep repeating. And they keep doing the same things. And no, uh, we didn't see it coming. Who could have expected? Nobody expected. That's impossible. That's impossible. They see something and they say, some, that's impossible. I mean, Mr. Spock just raises his eyebrows well, you know, since it, it it's clearly existent, it's possible. So, in any case, I don't want to rant fully. So let's start with the easy, um, and you'll get a kind of, um, you know, advanced placement, high school level analysis of... Uh, yogic uh, classification of four aspects of mind from Rolf Sovic. It's well done uh, and introductory or intermediate. So we're talking about manas, buddhi, chitta, and antakarana. This is the same uh, as one of the paragraphs. What is it? One, two, three, four, five. Fifth paragraph of the original page from Alex Scott on the Yoga Sutras, Vyasa, right, another uh, commentary, right, Yoga Bhasya, commentary on Yoga Sutra, Sutras, um, 650, about 7th, 8th uh, century, 7th, 8th century, CD, you know, common era. So 1200, 1300 years ago, uh, Vyasa explains Patanjali just like Buddha Gosha explains Sutta Pitaka in Nabhidhamma, meaning the analysis of further Buddhism by Buddha Gosha in the, uh, what was it? Uh, I forgot uh, the name of the text. So this, you know, there was extensive commentary on Yoga Sutras, obviously, through the centuries. And so Al, uh, Rolf comes from Vyasa's commentary without mentioning it because he wants to keep it simple. He's uh, from Alex Scott. Vyasa's commentary also explains that chitta, and just forget about their, 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 their translation, is mind stuff or thinking substance. This is completely useless to me. The stuff of mind includes buddhi, which here is defined as intellect, ahamkara, 
we know ego sense. Manas is defined as mind. <laughs> so if manas, it, it's just that they're, they're illogical and they don't understand it. If you're saying that chitta includes manas, then you can't call both chitta, you can't say that chitta is a, is a portion of mind and use manas and translate manas as mind. If manas is a subset of chit, you can't and you can't call the what's what you're defining as a subset by the name of the group in, in that defines all the sets. If 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 uh, mind if, if chitta is defined as mind stuff or substance, it includes mind. It, it's a shitty translation for manas actually. Uh, so, but the point here is that there are these four aspects of chit or chitta. And I think you really better define ma chitta or chit as mind or awareness and then give other English words for your subsets, like manas should not be translated as mind if it's a subset of chit, which is translated as mind or mind stuff. Anyway, so we've got four. We've got manas, buddhi, ahamkara uh, and <laughs> what and and chit so so it's it's a little confused actually and i'm confused sorry so chitta includes these others while rolf is saying that these are uh, like co-equal aspects of mind so it's not that Chit includes manas, buddhi, ahamkara, but there are these four qualities of mind, including chit, and that's actually more accurate. So, uh, you you have to be very careful here if you want to not trip on your on yourself. Uh, at least I think I I need to be careful. So to say that chitta includes these others, does that it means that they're portions of chit? or, or uh, chit is co-equal to the other three. So that's how it seems actually. So they go both ways and so different people will uh, define these words differently and then understand them differently. So from Himalayan Institute, Rolf Sovic, uh, understanding of four aspects of mind, they're co-equal. There, so if we say mind, we can divide it into four, and chit is not going to be necessarily the same chit as Nityananda says as Satchit or Satchitananda, because it's a different kind of, it's it's not a quality of the ignorant mind uh, when we're talking about enlightenment. So anyway, it's uh, that way. So so as this in this page, anatomy of mind. Uh, we have manas, buddhi, chit or chitta, and ahamkara. Ahamkara, obviously, is the kara of aham, uh, self-making. So here's how they define it. Manas, defined as everyday conscious mind, coordinator of the senses and the mental screen on which thoughts and images occur. That's not so bad. Then he explains, as manas is calmed, meaning... Um, sensory sensitivity, sensitivity of perception, active, continuing, ongoing, or a continual 
sense perceiving and thought form generation settles down. So manas is similar here to uh, fourth skanda sankara in the Buddhist understanding of five heaps, five skandhas. Sankara, fabrications, fermentations, fashionings, uh, akin to the composite, highlights the composite nature of thought form. Thought form is a compositing, like a composting, a composting, compositing. And it's both useful and um, entrapping, in, in meaning people get, people go to hell, we go to hell by our mind, by our mind leading behavior. Or we leave the octave by mind work, mind transformation that um, frees itself from itself. So mind is is the key. Uh, manas as the conscious mind that obviously will include a sense of self, but the conscious mind thought form generation. Um, we're going to see a deeper understanding actually from Lahiri Mahasaya. But uh, mind manas, let's just say manas, as mental screen on which thoughts and images occur, the, uh, the field of Sankara fabrication. Then he wrote, as manas is calmed, a more discerning dimension of mind, let's just say a more discerning function of mind, buddhi awakens. And here it's written, buddhi assigns meaning and value to experience. Uh, through practice of meditation, buddhi witnesses. So buddhi witnesses mental activity of uh, manas. Buddhi witnesses manas. To, to be able to say um, anger, frustration arises in this mind here, it's akin to the witness a witness position, um, a witness uh, condition, a witnessing condition of buddhi uh, checking manas, <laughs> if you want to put all those words to it. It's just witnessing. <laughs> so the mind can act, perceive, generate thought, streams of thought, uh, particularly associated with thought, um, in, you know, logical, uh, linear progression one, two, three, four, five, in this direction, and that direction, and the other direction, and start, and stop, and change direction, that's all manasic. What sees that is buddhi. Uh, is it a self watching manas? Is the buddhi a self? No. <laughs> no. It's a function of the self. Or, it's a function of uh, Sat, or function of <laughs> a reality mind, <laughs> or um, it's uh, you know it, it's it's of adipanya, it's of the greater wisdom, actually, to witness manas or functioning of mind, linear uh, progression, functioning of mind, compositing of mind, compositing function linear compositing functions of mind, manas, it's of a higher quality of awareness to witness that. Then comes awareness, oh, this mind is crazy. Oh, I'm not my mind. Boom. I'm not my body, I'm not my mind. Or this one here 
is not this body, this mind. So, you know, we have to use the strange word I and self until we um, know what it really is. Uh, and in my understanding, supreme self and the deathless is one because it ain't ahamkara. Uh, what kind of aham happened? There, there's no karm, there's no making of, a, of identity in enlightenment or freedom from, you know, in moksha, in liberation. There's no further making of aham. Eighth fetter broken in Buddhism. Same. Same teaching. The same teaching. So, you know, it's remarkable, actually, how much common ground there really is between classical Vedanta, yoga, yogic Vedanta teaching, Vedantic yoga teaching, which goes to Advaita Vedanta, and uh, Pali, Gautama's, Buddha Dhamma. Uh, there's a huge overlap. And, and so that's, uh, then there's a, a million translations of each word. And then a lot of people who don't realize that we're really talking about two approaches to the one to the one work of ascension or um, seven chakra uh, total development or completed development, liberation from ignorance and stress. Uh, two, it's really one. There's only one path up the mountain, but a whole lot of people talking about it in different ways talking about the signposts of attainment in different ways, talking about the goal in different ways, talking about obstructions in different ways, talking about the functions of mind, the equipment we're using, the obstructions to proper use, the uh, nature of, pa of stages on the path, the nature of the goal. All of this uh, is discussed variantly by variant human fellows some of whom um, are finished with the path and most of whom are not. And today it's a free-for-all. So, okay, buddhi, akin to the witnessing, he writes, buddhi assigns meaning and value to experience. Uh, witnessing, it, the buddhi, the buddhi witnesses mental activity. The buddhi is not the self, but the self is not an identity. <laughs> so, he writes, through practice of meditation, buddhi witnesses mental activity, meaning buddhi observes manas, leading to a sense of dispassion to inner life, a sense of dispassion, uh, leading a, lending a sense of dispassion to inner life. How about developing dispassion? Vairagya. Yes, absolutely. The more one witnesses manas, um, the more one realizes um, it, it, it isn't a home. It isn't I, it isn't home, it is dukkha. It doesn't mean it's screaming misery dukkha, but the very, um, the very monastic present, or process is very much of, um, it, it is not a happy, is not a happy uh, matter. It, it's stressful. Just calling dukkha, using the English word stress, stressful for translation of dukkha is good, I think. Stressful, dissatisfactory. One, resting further in samadhi, the functions of buddhi, witness manas, and one realizes, wow, this, this mind is quite stressful. Okay. 
And it goes on, he goes on, when it's purified, buddhi provides refined reflection of consciousness itself, and consciousness is another word. So this is the notion that mind, purified mind reflects spirit. Purified mind vacates itself to allow spirit into body fully. The fourth and fifth chakras crystallize green-blue chakra, as Ra slyly put out. The green-blue chakra is completed relatively, relatively completed to achieve what Ra calls crystallization. That is akin to uh, uh, samadhi and morality-based purification of manas that uh, then allows um, the field the, the field of mind awareness itself, whether you call that, you know, <laughs> chit or vijnana um, or sat, you know, sat chit, uh, the purification of mind that, and that's where chitta vritti niroda comes in. That, the, the uprooting of chitta vritti, the on the pulling out of the roots, the uprooting, pulling out by the roots, purification of the seed bed of Chittavriti, um leads to is the critical work of the purification of mind, leading to then crystallization of four five, I would think, and then so to that um, you have a direct connection from one to six, or one to you know six chakra. Um, is fully accessed by red ray. Red ray coming up, or kundalini, really. Kundalini arising through first chakra um, can go to six quite effectively when uh, the blue-green chakra, chakra so-called four and five, um, has been crystallized, and that's very much associated with buddhi, dispassionate to manas, disinterested, and then... Uh, chitta vritti being uh, quelled. So then the third section, the third uh, aspect of the anatomy of mind here on this page, chitta, his definition, is the unconscious storehouse of past thoughts and experiences, the bed of memory. So seed bed of tendencies. It's totally about vasanas. It, he says, it accumulates impressions and blends them with current mental imagery of manas, to give understanding and richness to experience. That's a positive way of putting it. It also uh, is the source of all, um, you know, conceptual error or um, <laughs> ignorance-based assumption. Uh, it, as Bailey would say, uh, the slayer of the real. Uh, manas and chitta. Chitta is the problem, actually in this understanding of chitta. It's very much akin to vasanas, unconscious, unrecognized tendencies. So he wrote, chitta as unconscious storehouse of past thoughts and experiences, memory, bed of memory, accumulates impressions, uh, blends them with current mental imagery, meaning current thoughts and feeling, to give understanding and richness to experience and delusion. Stored impressions are propelled back into manas in the form of habitual behaviors and desires. Yes, the arising of vasanas, like 
the propelling back into manas or consciousness of stored impressions comes out as habitual behaviors and desires. I have a certain feeling and I immediately do a certain action. I have a certain perception and immediately I have a certain feeling. I have a certain perception or sensation and I remember, even though I don't consciously think it, the mind associates the current moment perception, sensation, or you know, placement in a situation, let's say, it's associated with the past experience, the impressions or vasanas in the deep mind, akin to here this use of chitta, the unconscious storehouse, a bed of memory, the vasana, the bed of vasanas. Um, that's exactly what Ra means when Ra says that even catalyst has been processed um, by uh, even the arising of catalyst ha has been distorted already. Even in the notion of tarot, the sequence of formation of experience, we experience catalyst, or catalyst is the word used for unprocessed, unfiltered, unworked upon raw experience, phenomenal contact, sensory, you know, we see something, we hear something, we smell something, we taste something, we touch something, somebody touches us, somebody talks to us, we have a memory, we have a fantasy, we have a feeling of happiness, we have a feeling of dread, we have a vague sense of this or that. Uh, these are this this is arising from um, this is arising as what's called catalyst but even when I'm looking outside my window and I see the trees standing and I say oh my visual perception is catalyst what will I do with it I can love the trees or cut down the trees or realize you know the beauty of uh, creation and logoic love whatever uh, I can fashion experience by my interpretation of my you my my processing of um, uh, sensory uh, input but the sensory inputs actually already been processed there's already a distortion when I'm seeing uh, five trees outside my window standing quietly um, there's a hell of a lot I'm not seeing already this is already profoundly filtered and limited experience perception the perception itself is extremely limited compared to what I what's uh, apparently what, what's really there <laughs> the appearance you know things are not as they appear nor are they otherwise so the five trees are a hell of a lot more than five trees that I'm seeing but they're not against five trees they're five trees yeah that is just the most superficial physical 3D level perception understanding and it goes much further and on and on and on. But how I work with it to a large extent depends on the condition of chit or the vasanas. So stored impressions propelled back into manas but in the form of habitual desires, habitual behaviors. In meditation it can take the form of fantasy, distracting thought, simple desire, powerful emotional urge something comes up, right? Catharsis, or the arising of deep mind process. E emotional desire, a thought, a fantasy, a memory, 
it's but in general it's not simply what happens in meditation this understanding of the word chitta as unconscious storehouse of past thoughts and experiences is the unconscious filtering um, and the unconscious the unconscious configuration the configuration of mind based on based on past experience associated not simply with particular arising thoughts and feelings and fantasies and desires not at all that's just the tip of it it's basically how we see how we think the the very structure by which um, we interpret all visual you know all five sense six sense phenomena uh, there there's uh, we're Manas is working with filtered products always. Buddhi, when developed, will realize, I believe, that, that uh, chitta, this, this, you know, see, this understanding of chitta is very close to um, vasana. Uh, I didn't look yet, but there, I would do a Google search on chitta versus, chitta versus vasana. Uh, because vasana as sort of uh, unconscious deep mind tendencies, uh, leanings, modes of information processing, even. Modes of interpretation. Not simply, uh, you know, you called me yellow and I'm always angry because somebody called me yellow in uh, <laughs> Oasis and uh, Back to the Future. It's not simply as, as lame as that. You know, <laughs> you call him yellow and he can't stop. He has to fight. That's sure the um, uh, introduction or um, effect of uh, vasana associated with how people see him and coming out of chitta. The vasana is in the chitta, in the unconscious storehouse. But actually, there's a whole lot more going on. Uh, meaning there's there are many more levels of unrecognized uh, tendency uh, and that's what meditation that's what chitta vritti is all about and that's why it isn't a little deal and it is not the same as a temporary quiet mind with the you know non-proliferation of sankara because even when there's no proliferation of sankara there are vasanas and there is chitta in this understanding as an unconscious storehouse of vasanas. <laughs> so chitta is the uh, repository of the vasanas in this understand, in this view, it seems to me. And he goes on, the process of meditation deposits impressions of peace and concentration in the chitta. Mm -hmm. Very <laughs> substantialist interpretation. These provide support during future periods of meditation and more. But it's a funny way of putting it. Process of meditation, or meditation as a process, deposits impressions of peace and concentration. Mm -hmm. uh, can I make another deposit of peace, please? But there, there is, it's a kind of weird way of putting it, and it sounds a little <laughs> goofy. But... Um, we are talking about uh, karmic um, fashioning. Uh, there, there's continued to the, the karm, karm, karm continues, and so 
sit developing concentration one-pointedness by meditation or life activity uh, is a relative stilling of monastic activity that relative stilling of monastic activity is pleasurable generally but whether it's pleasurable or not um, it is a kind of seeding to the deep mind um, familiarizing the deep mind, the whole mind, with peace, uh, concentration, equanimity. The more one has experience of one-pointedness, concentration, or concentration, leading to one-pointedness, leading to equanimity, peaceful mind, quiet mind, s temporary stilling of both manas and chitta, and chitta vritti. So, chitta vritti plays in the field of manas witnessed by buddhi. And sadhana leading to samadhi, leading to equanimity, uh, is the mind teaching, the conscious mind teaching the deep mind the value of peace, concentration, one-pointedness, and equanimity. And yeah, you can say that it seeds the deep mind or chitta or changes the vasanas and tendencies by continued regular experiences of equanimity and concentration. That not only provides support during future periods of meditation, but strengthens the buddhi witnessing manas and vasanas arising and chitta and the whole mind, the citta vritti, is increasingly stilled by repeated uh, development of equanimity and concentration, or concentration leading to equanimity, which is itself not simply um, quieting uh, non-proliferation of uh, sankara, samskara, fourth skanda, which is akin to manas and the arising of, you know, vasanas through chitta, through the unconscious, to the conscious mind. The whole thing, the whole system, the all levels of mind get stilled. The conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the tendencies in the subconscious mind, uh, automatic triggerings uh, reduce. That's the point. I used to be triggered by this, now I'm not. Why? Uh, because the vasanas uh, that, that led... I think that I bought a phone, <laughs> which I try to keep at a long distance, and it just made a noise. Maybe uh, the system is testing itself. A call, a call from beyond. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> this is called rambling. This is my true nature, just to ramble um, and then wave my hand. So... Uh, by repeated, by, by practice, sadhana, whether it's Buddhist anapanasati or, you know, aham uh, vichar from Ramana Maharshi, or some kind of uh, yana yoga analysis and um, hard uh, mental working akin to Nisargadatta 
and um, his argumentations to knock down uh, false thinking of uh, students. Uh, or Kundalini moving from root to crown. <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, the development of buddhi by one-pointedness leading equanimity associated with non-proliferation of both chitta-vritti and uh, monastic activity. See, if chitta-vritti as the storehouse, so-called unconscious storehouse of past thoughts and impressions, or the um, un, yeah, an unrecognized, unconscious, pre-conscious, subconscious field of vasanas, <laughs> of tendencies, as well as everything that we've seen and felt and thought, the whole thing, the bed of memory, the memory bed, what arises into consciousness, not the consciousness, which is manasic, but what arises into consciousness. As, uh, so, so if um, buddhi is above manas, uh, the vasanas in the chit or chitta are below consciousness. Uh, and uh, we'll go on further to explain this uh, tetrad when I go to Lahiri Mahasaya. Then, uh, so it's appropriate today's class four, we're looking at the uh, the the quadrant, the the, uh, the tetrad of mind, the tetradic mandala of human mind uh, as a four-fold, uh, as a four four-aspected system. Uh, likewise, we can. Uh, this is class four, so I guess four and four. Finally, uh, his final paragraph on this is. The mind as ahamkara. That's just confusing. How about ahamkara as an aspect of um, of the personal mind? Or uh, because there's the personal mind and then there's universal mind, which is like the difference between vijnana and um, and awareness. There's subjective consciousness, and then there's transpersonal, non-subjective, uh, boundless awareness. So, consciousness versus awareness. Some people use those terms uh, variantly, uh, but I would say consciousness, like vijnana, even consciousness vijnana is born of avidya, said Buddha. So the fiskanda, subjective awareness or consciousness. Um is actually um, the uh, is a quality of um, the entirety of mind. Uh, the, the stronger the sense of separated selfhood, the more um, constipation in the subconscious storehouse um, and the harder to re the, the more thickly impacted, the vasanas. Uh, the people who use the term ego have not seen that ahamkara is sunya. Uh, if you see that ahamkara is sunya, the sense of self is just a sense. This thought is just, this self is just a thought. This apparent sense of me, 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 me is maintained by ever continuing manas 
uh, and Chittavritti. When Chittavritti, the Vritti of Chitta, the stirrings from the deep, the Vasanas kicking up further products of filtering, continue, you know, filtering catalyst and memories, impressions, and, you know, interactions of the deep mind with the current moment or uh, arising into the, the conscious mind. Uh, all of that um, is uh, impacted or compacted or made uh, made more um, dukkha rich, rich in dukkha by the, by the sense of self. The eighth fetter conceit is ahamkara. Ahamkara, composite word, aham and karma is the karma making. Karma is not simply my karma. Karma, originally in Sanskrit, is associated with fashioning and making. Sankara, right? Samskara, same kara. Yeah, fourth skanda, sankara, samskara, fashioning, fermentation, fabrication, is compositing. Uh, it is a kam, karm. It is a making of thought form. Just like aham is made. The sense of self, subjective selfhood, is made, is maintained. And the longer, more we inevitably do it. Um, it's very default. The entirety of the avidya-based mind um, is affected by, interplays with, is created by, um, is intimately bound with the sense of a subject of selfhood, identity, a fashioned identity. That's the point. Uh, at the, when there's no more fashioning, there's no more identity. Now that is not the same as um, the making of non-identity. It's the non-making of identity. Uh, when the eighth fetter is broken, uh, there's simply this whole matter of identity falls away, as far as I can tell. Uh, when the eighth fetter is broken, there is no more discussion of there's no more referentiality of uh, identity. It's uh, the the self-referentiality or apparent interior agency referentiality or reference point. Me here, out there, that that is not happening. But it's way beyond that too, because actually, it's of chittavritti. The 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 that which. <coughs> That which could arise into consciousness and uh, tangle it up with the monastic function and, and spit out thought form and uh, linear lines of uh, thought progression, it just ain't coming. It ain't coming. The seed bed has been purified. So he said, anyway, mind as ahamkara is the maker of an eye, absolutely, the kara of aham the making of selfhood, whatever that is, <laughs> which is another long discussion I've looked into. It's very interesting. When we use the word I, we imply an identity constructed within the mind itself. With its lesser side, we cling to a limited self. We grasp the ego and the things with which it identifies. Yet each of us 
is also a manifestation of a vast field of pure consciousness, our true self. Meditation gradually dispels the falseness of self-identity and reveals a deep and true self, with the capital S. So, back to self and self, uh, small s, capital S, <clears throat> I mean, it's easy to criticize, but in general, um, he understands pretty quite well. Um, it's, is it mind as ahamkara, mind as chitta, or mind is a term for the overall field of sentience, uh, awareness with or without uh, subjectivity. So mind as a sphere or field or quality of life or our being or being um, that um, establishes it's a very it's a it's a establishing it's a reflective process um, of like Gautama said perception you know when there's a body there'll be form and sensation when there's no body there's still perception and and fabrications and subjectivity so Vijnana Fiskanda is totally of selfhood or it's that's why Gautama said even Vijnana uh, that consciousness Fitskanda is born of ignorance with no more ignorance it's gone too it don't arise too so Ahamkara is is the maker of an eye Ahamkara is the sense of eye that has been made it's light fashioning identity and then the continual interplay of thought um, you know perception and and thought <clears throat> um, that further complicates that sense of self he said when we use the word I we imply identity constructed within the mind itself when we use the word I most people really think um, it's substantial separated uh, almost eternalist eternalistic um, selfhood identity me this center point that speaks that is only a center point meaning a, a point of a vast field in the center actually the field is as much the self as the experience of a center point and that's what Mahabur was talking about that this very high level meditation you know definitely fourth jhana uh, perception of a sense of inner um, of center point um, activity is uh, <laughs> the heart of eighth fetter and ahamkara it's this very subtle identification basically with body mm. if there's no body uh, there's looking at the world from where not from the body not from a body that's identified as a selfhood but from a mind that's seeing and I've had this experience in meditation it's not unusual at all that there's conscious disembodiment meaning a conscious recognition of a sense of uh, there's no body here no physical body in this moment of ex perception experience uh, the 
Buddhi witness position can recognize that actually this the, the, the sense of embodiment is illusory too, of course. And so that can be a problem if one can't snap back to the relative experience of embodiment and act, quote, in the body. Uh, but this sense that body is the, is associated with the center point of consciousness or center point of experience, thus an ahamkara or a sense of me here, subjective, separate center point, that whole thing falls away with deepening equanimity and with uh, increasing purification of the seedbed of the vasanas, uh, which here is called citta. He goes on, with its lesser side, lesser side of fashioned identity, we cling to limited self, we grasp ego. What the hell is that? We grasp a sense of self? Yeah, people grasp a sense of self. They grasp their sense. They keep amping up further thoughts of selfhood, that's all, of, of constructed identity. I do too. It's very, you know, uh, only those that have finished uh, the whole, you know, attained the, the fruit of the final, uh, the final fruit, Arahan, are completely finished with Eight Feather. It, it happens, you know, un, uh, unconsciously. <laughs> we, that, that this sort of center point agency referentiality, that's another word for self, for ego, the false self. Uh, fa constructed identity. Ego is a, is a constructed identity, thus false, illusory, dukkha, anichanatta dukkha, impermanent, insubstantial, stressful. It's a fraud, basically. Uh, Mahabua knew that, that, that it's just the arising of yet another perception, which is uh, identification with the perception of, of self as a center point agency, a center point of awareness. But actually, when one has finished with that perception, <laughs> then the scene is known as the seer. Not simply the seer is the scene, the scene is the seer. The outer is the inner. Totality is the seer. Totality is the seer. That's why I cringe when these people keep talking about ego while they're trying to be free of it. They're empowering the delusion or the attachment to this false construct by using it as if it's a real thing. We grasp the ego. How about we keep making a false selfhood identity, which we call ego, he goes on, yet each of us, yet each of us is also a manifestation of a vast field of pure consciousness, or we could say pure awareness, meaning consciousness as a word in English reserved for subjective, subjectivity. Beyond subjectivity, fetter broken, ahamkara finished, I would use the word pure awareness, or satchit, <laughs> or omniscience or boundless cosmic awareness, boundless multidimensional, you know, awareness uh, prior to light. <laughs> I mean, awareness uh, free of all falsehood, including any false identity or construct of a, of a selfhood or separative experience. And he calls that true self. <laughs> the problem is, of course, people with a, people all of us still bound by, attached to, afraid of breaking the false construct of identity, 
um, at some in some subtle way commonly um, inflate or um, uh, internal very in a very uh, subconscious way expand the false sense of self to our understanding of what he calls true self with a capital S <clears throat> the the false identity is to some degree superimposed upon or misconstrued to be akin to the true self with a capital S it's basically like uh, there's a bound I, I, I look through my window and I see the sky uh, I put my hands up to the borders of the window and make a little kind of frame with my my hands to a little right angle thumb forefinger framing of that portion of the of the sky through the window so I hold my hands out to recreate the window frame through which I see the sky or a portion of sky take away the house retain the hands uh, creating a frame in space of the sky through which there used to be a window or at the point where there used to be a window the window's gone the house is gone there's just me and my framing hands and the sky through which i through the hands i'm wishing uh, through with through the frame of my hands i'm observing a portion of sky thinking that that is the true self <laughs> or thinking that that is such it or thinking that that is totality or intelligent infinity or boundlessness while I'm still framing with my hands a portion that I used to use that I used that, that previously I saw through the window frame of a house the house is gone the window is gone but the framing of my hands remains and I imagine that what I see through my hands the sky is totality no it's a framed limit of totality in the same way, we cannot understand self with a capital S through the parameters of false identity with the small s. Capital S is radically different. If you want to call, you know, the, the true self of Advaita Vedanta uh, the, the deathless and Satchit and Paramatman and Brahman, which I think we should. Union with Brahman, Jivatman becoming Paramatman, you know, Satchitananda, or the, the Tatsatchit, the Chit awareness of Tatsat, free of ten fetters, fully unbound, no more karma creating. If you want to call that the true self, fine. It's not, however, limited in any way as the totality of our experience of identity and personal selfhood has always been. <laughs> so our, our, our experience of uh, personal selfhood, se uh, ahamkara, yes, ego, yeah, the word ego, uh, the word ahamkara, there is no ego, there is no ahamkara, it's an illusory sense uh, that identifies uh, true nature with the framed portion of the sky that I'm currently seeing, it's a delimited framed portion of totality or total awareness 
that I've claimed as a personal selfhood. When the house is gone and the window frame is gone, we have to put the hands down and stop framing. Then there's no need to use the word ego. It's just unhelpful. It's like doing a mantra in a quiet mind. <laughs> if the mind is, is uh, if there's some relative experience of chitta vritti niroda, meaning equanimity, one-pointedness, concentration, samadhi, one doesn't need to call up a mantra to get to concentration and one-pointedness. It becomes um, chatter or static or noise. Now, maybe it's a training exercise for concentration, but in general, if we're using a tool to achieve something, when the achievement is there with or without the tool, the tool is no longer needed. So, uh, it's very, uh, it, it's surely problematic to imagine their, uh, the reality of what they're terming true self, true nature as capital S self. It's very problematic that we basically see that in term, in the terms of the small s self ego, so-called, because it is not of identity. It's of infinity. And infinity is not of identity. And to say my true nature is mistaken as well. That's the point. At the end of the path, there's a thorough emptying out of self-cherishing. The cherishing of, um, of, uh, of an established uh, center point uh, agency identity. I am this one here. Yes, I am. Like that. Now, you know, again, insanity is not too far away from this stuff, or dissociative process, psychosis, schizophrenic, schizoidal, dot, 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 right? That's why there's that Sufi saying, something like, you know, the sage swims in the same waters as the, the, as the insane drown, or the crazy man drowns. Crazy is a pejorative, maybe, but... Uh, this is, uh, you know, the field of um, uh, non-subjectivity. And that um, non-subjectivity should not be understood, or we should recognize that our trying to understand the, the reality of self, with a capital S, <clears throat> um, is very limited and really inappropriately... Um, considered by the parameters of identity and the small s and ego that we've been using so long. So one should be very careful. <laughs> His final point here is meditation gradually dispels the falseness of self-identity, small s, and reveals a deep and true self, big S. So, okay, so long as you understand that that big S, true nature self with a capital S, has nothing to do with a personal identity at all. Nothing. Nothing at all to do with a personal selfhood. Nothing. Except for the fact that it was entered from there. So, <clears throat> okay. Time check. Oh, one, 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 six. So that's it for today. <laughs> uh, I understand some people may find this um, too much or too heavy or too heavy, man, like uh, the gnome on the oven, on the stovetop in I Love You, Alice B. Toklas. 
<clears throat> when uh, Peter Sellers' mother turns on the heat, the little gnome who'd been zoning out on the stovetop <clears throat> gets burned, does a start, jumps onto the ground, says, Heavy, man, heavy! So, this is kind of heavy. But, you know, um, I value it, I enjoy it, I hope you do too. If you don't, I hope you find what you value. So, in any case, that's it. <clears throat> Next week we'll go to Patanjali number five and continue with another understanding, another approach to four aspects of mind. Again, manas buddhi, manas buddhi, chitta, and ahamkara from Lahiri Mahasaya, uh, root teacher of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and the guru of uh, Sri Yukteswar. So I hope this is useful. I hope you're well. Take good care. See you next time and good night.